the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg, and I'm Rob Steele. Boy, have we we've we've got stuff. Not a, a plethora of stuff, just stuff, and very little of it goes together. Unless you want to take the uh, concept of cuts together. We'll yes. To a minute. Uh, I'm going to start with <clears throat> Henry Cavill is not done playing Superman. Uh, he's now being described as the DC Extended Universe's Hulk, in that he's going to be in everyone else's movies, but not have his own. <laughs> Which is weird. He's supposed to be in Shazam 2 and uh, maybe a Wonder Woman movie and Suicide Squad. And I mean, just look up on the screen. It's a mustache. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Suicide Squad might make sense for just like a cameo. The others make quite a bit of sense, oh, yeah. though, because he and Shazam are rivals, like friendly rivals a lot. And totally makes sense that he would show up with his pal Wonder Woman because, uh, yeah. They were happened. a thing for a while. They were a thing for a while. They had a kid for a while in, in one of the There's a variation lines. So, yeah. So that would make total sense. Eh, Suicide Squad, not so much. But why not? Yeah, th- there's no. It's not a bad thing. thing about that. Um, yeah. But with the Justice League film getting the Snyder cut. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> excuse me. Which is coming. Uh, to a television near you next year. Mm-hmm, uh, there have mine. been a lot of a lot of other movies coming out with. Look at all these cuts we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suicide Squad, the first movie, uh, might have a director's cut. It does. Uh, I have it. Well, uh, another one. Oh, a new director's cut, a not the extended. Cut. Oh, because yeah. oh god, no. Anyway, um, there's a petition <laughs> to get the four-hour cut of Revenge of the Sith going. Uh, to which most of the directors there have gone. We don't, we don't have one of those. <laughs> but my favorite news about all these cuts comes from X Men: Dark Phoenix, where even director Simon Kinsberg has said, "I don't want to see that." Yeah. So yeah, I, I, there, I, there's there's been talk of of a director's cut of. Fantastic Four or Four Fantastic or whatever you call the yeah the Josh Trank uh, trashy thing, which might actually be interesting because all the stories say that Josh Trank's version was very different. But the real question is, did he get to film enough of his vision of it to actually make a film? Because the studio interfered so fast that uh, yeah, I just want Ben Grimm to have pants. Is that too much? Nope. I would think. Speaking of uh, computer-generated legs, because we are, Sonic (laughs) the Hedgehog 2 has been greenlit this week. I can't bring myself to care that much. I I loved the concept of Tails being in the movie, (laughs) because I thought Tails was a much better developed character than Sonic. Um, Don't care that much, but thought I'd throw it out anyway, because I reviewed that film, what, a couple, about a month ago? Yeah, a month or two ago. I think it was a couple of months ago at this point. It's hard to tell time anymore. It is. Time gets blendy these days. It's the, what, 47th of uh, June, July. April. It's almost July. So, yeah, we're almost yeah. there. Steve, uh, the 37th of Steve. Might as well um, be. 17th of Pedro. Anyway, 
Speaking of Pedro's, that's a very sloppy segue, but better than what Lee did on the show the other day. <laughs> and that uh, was a masterful segue. Thank you. Ma- the, the Mandalorian. Because <laughs> there is news on the Mandalorian this week. And I thought this was, I don't know if you saw this. This was the weirdest news. Um, because it said briefly that the Mandalorian is not eligible for any uh, awards like the Golden Globes. Because if the actor doesn't appear on screen, then you can't tell that it was the actor. So he's not going to get nominated for an award. And usually on The Mandalorian, the actor Pedro Pascal, who played The Mandalorian, is armored. So you don't see him except for that. Except for the uh, scene where you see him. Except for the scene in the last (laughs) episode where you do see him, thus making him eligible for the whole series Yes. Why did we get this article? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense because it's like you do see him. I mean, now I guess they could say, well, you can't verify that it was actually that actor in all the other scenes. But it's like, come on, don't be. That's ridiculous. I And, and besides, it's like. Would he be nominated for a Golden Globe for what? Best actor, best actor in a non-speaking role in a mostly non-speaking role. Yeah, he shouldn't <clears throat> be nominated because I mean, he's. Fine, but you know, there's not a lot of acting going on there. We'll we'll get to that same description later on in the show. By the way, oh, that's oh. a pre that's a pre segue. Oh yeah, yes, yes, we will <laughs> <clears throat> because it's time for some reviews and and have I got a movie for you? Um, have I got a movie for you? Uh, yeah, okay, nineteen sixty five because. I'm going back that far. No, I didn't exist yet. Um, There's a band I actually like called Alphaville. And I found out that they named their band after this film. (coughs) Excuse me again. Got a thing in the throat. Don't know what it is. Maybe it's the plot of this film because I couldn't. Anyway, um, I had heard of Alphaville before. It's a supposedly a sci-fi classic. And like I said, I liked the band. I've seen it referenced in Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex Season 1. I've got time. Let's watch the film. Okay, here we go. I can tell you the film is in black and white. It's in French. It's subtitled. I didn't care about any of that because it's a film. You know, it, it, it could still be spectacular. I don't know. I'm just starting it. Um, but sci-fi classic. I did not see anything in this movie that really told me that this was a sci-fi film. It takes place <clears throat> in a town called. You ready? Wait for it. <clears throat> Alphaville, which looks suspiciously like France. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the main character, uh, his name is, and and I didn't name him, Lemmy Caution. That is his name. Sure, why not? Now, <clears throat> watching this movie, you start off thinking, oh, he's a detective, kind of, I guess. And he goes to Alphaville because uh, it's in the script. We don't really find out why until very late in the movie. Uh, now, I thought... At the beginning, there might be some comedy coming up in this film because about a minute in, uh, Lemmy lights a cigarette. Okay, 
and he uses a Zippo lighter, and the Zippo lighter goes click when he closes it. And it goes click so loud. It's kind of like one of those, all right, take two, clap. <laughs> those clappers, it's that loud. Then he takes out his gun and cocks his gun, which makes absolutely no sound at all. So in my head, oh, he must be using a silencer. I'm thinking there might be some humor going on here. No, apparently that's just a glitch in the copy I've gotten off of Amazon. Hmm. Because the film's comedy there concludes at the one minute 46 second mark. Oh, good. Uh, let's see. So he enters a hotel and this might be the most overstaffed hotel in the world because two people check him in. A porter shows him to the elevator where there's an elevator man to take him to the third floor third, not on the elevator long where two people greet him when he gets off. One is apparently a prostitute who follows him to his room, untucks his bed, and, and here's a quote, puts the tranquilizers in the bathroom. Which is good. Really? You need them. Because the movie's not going to make you fall asleep as it is. <clears throat> and then while she takes a bath, question mark, there's an obligatory person in the room to attack him for no reason that we ever actually figure out. What? To keep him from doing what he's supposed to do. But we'd never figure out what that is. <laughs> um, the, the the hotel room, th this is such a bizarrely laid out hotel room because we've all been in hotel rooms. And you walk into a hotel room and there's, you know, kind of the, a main room where you've got a bed and you've got a closet and a dresser and stuff. And that's fine. But opposite the entrance to this are two other doors. The one on the right goes to the bathroom. I get that. That one makes sense. The other one goes to a room that has nothing in it but a jukebox that plays classical music. If you know why, let me know. I never figured it out. Uh, but once we get into that room, there's something that starts in there in the film that I, I'm guessing the character doesn't see, which is the occasional rapid firing of some Morse code and a picture that has very little, if anything, to do with a plot. I don't know why it does this. I just know it does. Now, a note I'm going to throw in. At the 21-minute mark, I notice that he has lit 17 cigarettes and not finished any of them. I notice this because the plot is so gripping. <laughs> it is so gripping that it is actually clinging to a wall off camera and not made it to the actual film yet. Anyway, he eventually meets Natasha Von Braun who has been assigned to show him around town. Now, this is kind of weird, and it might be a French thing. I don't know. She says she has a car to drive him around town, but they can never really go anywhere because she is constantly giving her keys to someone behind a desk at whatever building they go into. We never see her do this, but whenever it's, all right, we need to go now. Let me go get the keys. And she'll wander over to a desk where someone hands her some keys. And I'm thinking... When she hands them off in the first place, that person at the desk is going to be, oh, thank you, keys, just what I've always wanted. Why the hell did she give me keys? Oh, she's back. Here, take them. Go. Get out. Who the hell was that? <clears throat> I'm seeing that in my head. I don't know if that's actually part of the plot or not. It's probably an early ride share. It, it could be. Anyway, at one point, they go to what's called an art exhibit, where 50 men are lining a swimming pool, 25 on a side, or so I'm told, I didn't count. Um, <clears throat> and Lemmy is told that they're all there to be executed for being illogical. 
Like this guy who cried when his wife died. Well, how dare he? Didn't he ever listen to that Cure song when he was growing up? What's the matter? Oh, the, wait, it's 1965. That song won't be out for 14 years. Um, but before they're all shot, they're made to watch synchronized swimming, which I guess is to make them want to be killed before they actually are. I don't know. It would do the trick. Um, during the, it's during this part of the film we find out that emotions have been outlawed, which I suppose is how they were able to save so much money on people who don't need to be acting because I don't think any of them did. Uh, Lemmy, our hero, I'm putting that in bunny rabbits. Uh, Lemmy seems to just be wandering around asking questions about alpha 60, which is the computer that runs Alphaville. He smokes a lot of cigarettes and takes a lot of pictures of everyone and everything. And I am honestly was expecting at the end of the film to have him open the camera and go, damn, I forgot the film. Like, you know, everyone else seems to have. <laughs> uh, he finally meets Natasha's father, whom I think that's who it is anyway. She says that's who he is. Uh, he runs Alphaville, maybe, question mark, I think. And he needs to ask him some questions. And he calls Natasha's father by his, and I don't get this line, his previous life's name of Nosferatu, which is the first glimpse of some kind of sci-fi I get out of this. But old Nossie gets upset and has his posse, for everyone must have a posse, who have been conveniently just off camera until now, uh, throw Lemmy into an elevator where they either beat up Lemmy or just make him pace back and forth in front of the camera. I'm not entirely sure because there's no sound for this scene. <laughs> uh, and I'm just thinking, wow, cinematography, well done. Uh, oh, <clears throat> I forgot the narrator. Wow. And I'm going to make a reference that we've mentioned on the show a few times before to uh, to Darkseid. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when Darkseid was on Super Friends? Vaguely, yes, I do. And, and he had that really deep, gravelly voice. That's how yeah. this narrator sounds, only it sounds like that voice has a cold. I mean, I'm... I'm not sure if this the, the, the narrator is graveling gargle or just had a tracheotomy or maybe he needs one. But my God, what happened? James Earl Jones would listen to this voice and go, that's impressive. <laughs> <clears throat> so, look, as you might have figured out, I did not get this film. I, uh, I looked up on IMDb and apparently, according to IMDb, the plot is a secret agent is sent to the distant space city of Alphaville. Now, I didn't get that part because early in the film, he says, I traveled 6,000 miles to get here. Six, that, it's, that The moon is farther away from Earth than that. And <clears throat> he drove there in a car. He did. How can, anyway. Well, uh, maybe he started in distant space. He just went to know. a different place in distant space. But he's sent there to... to Find a missing person and free the city from its tyrannical ruler. And we've come across this on several other films where we must free this entire society. Send Steve. No, you send more than one person. Yeah, that usually so, helps. <clears throat> I'm, you know, just saying. Now, if you want to watch Alphaville, it's on Prime Video. You can rent it for $3.99 or... 
And I'm going to recommend this. If you want to use the money more wisely, may I recommend the albums Afternoons in Utopia or Strange Attractor by the bands of the same name. You'll get much more pleasure out of those. And because I know you're an avid listener to the show, in case you were wondering, because, you know, 80s techno bands go together. I'm going to link this to the Pet Shop Boys movie. It couldn't happen here. (laughs) The Pet Shop Boys movie made only slightly less sense. But, oh, my God, was the music so much better. I I will recommend that you use your money even more wisely instead of renting this on Prime. If you're interested in this movie and subscribe to the Criterion channel, which costs more. It's $9.99 a month, but of course you can cancel whenever you want to, but thousands of films, amazing films. And for the longest time, I didn't subscribe to Criterion Channel because it's like, okay, it's another 10 bucks a month on top of Netflix and the Disney Channel and on and on and on. However, I'm so glad I did because not only can you find Alphaville, you can find, I believe they have eight Jackie Chan films. Really? They have all of the Lone Wolf and Cub films, all six movies in that series. So they have a lot of movies that you would not expect to be Breakfast on Club. the channel that celebrates, you know, <clears throat> art films, foreign films, et cetera, et cetera. So awesome stuff on the Criterion channel. Absolutely. And I am going to use it to watch Alphaville myself later on to see. Just how weird just, this movie is. Just how weird this movie is. I, I will say I'm expecting it to be very weird for two reasons. One, your review, and also the original title was Tarzan versus IBM. <laughs> that's that's what the director wanted to call it, and they told him, well, no, let's not go with that. So, a director uh, named Jean-Luc Goddard, yep. and I, I looked this up by accident. Um there's a <clears throat> a box set of Jean-Luc Goddard films on Amazon right now, and the cover uh, of this box set is apparently a cross section of high resistance AV cables. <laughs> I don't know if that actually is what the cover of this box set looks like, but that's what's there. That kind of makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> he's directed some extremely well known films, famous films like Breathless, and and this was apparently one of his uncut gems. Apparently, it was, which is so brilliant. A segue. Thank you. Take lessons, Lee. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was a cheap shot. So terrible. We talked about it in pre-pro. There you go, Ted. Uh, I did watch Uncut Gems. This is a movie I waited to watch until it showed up free because I was not going to uh, spend $2 on renting an Adam Sandler film. So, yeah, this is an Adam Sandler film, although not really. This this is a Safdie Brothers film. Uh, they're not that well-known yet maybe by the general public, but they are the gentleman who created the film A Good Time, which was the first movie I saw that convinced me that, yes, that kid who's going to play Batman is a really, 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 really good actor. Uh, And maybe they were hoping that this would remind people that Adam Sandler could be a really, really good actor. And there were a lot of a lot of buzz that, oh, Adam Sandler, he's going to get nominated for the Oscar for this picture, et cetera, et cetera. You just worried the crap out of me because I thought you were going to say that Adam Sandler would make a good Batman. Uh, no. Uh, n- no. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't make a good anything in any Batman film. 
I, I will say this much for Adam Sandler before I get into the film itself, which is a very good movie. I absolutely recommend you watch Uncut Gems. He's decent in this movie. He acts. It's, he does a good job. I will also say that this very good movie would have been a great movie if they had cast, I don't know, any one of a hundred different actors in the lead role. Because then they could have had a great actor or a really competent actor. He's, he does well. If you want to have a great movie, you can't have your lead just do a competent job, which is what he does. Uh, the plot is Adam Sandler plays this guy who's always on the hustle. He's a New York, quote, jeweler, unquote. He's not a jeweler. He has, he has a jewelry store uh, somewhere either on or near Times Square. He's in the jewelry district anyway. Um, but he sells a lot of fake stuff as well as actual jewelry. Um, that comes up fairly often where, you know, some guys hassling him because Sandler gave, paid him off a loan that he owed him. He paid him off with a, quote, $20,000 Rolex, unquote. And it turned out, oh, of course, it's just a cheap knockoff. And the guy finally got it appraised and he's chasing after him to pay off one of the many debts that he owes. He is also a compulsive gambler, which is where most of his problems come from. So the basic the plot line is he's got a lot of debts and he's a compulsive gambler. He's been trying to work this deal to get a huge, raw, uncut, haha, black opal from Africa. So he, he finally gets this deal in. He figures this thing is worth a million dollars and he's going to auction it off. Well, one of his buddies, who is constantly bringing him stuff to sell, like fake Rolexes, also brings him some people in to, on occasionally brings him in people to uh, target his clients. Well, he happens to somehow know Kevin Garnett. And yes, this is actually Kevin Garnett, who, by the way, does a better job of acting than Adam Sandler does in the movie, because <clears throat> Kevin Garnett's really good in this movie. The NBA, Hall is he in the Hall of Fame yet? Mm, nobody <clears throat> will be. Um so he comes in, and for whatever reason, Sandler is showing his 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 pal this gem. He's like, "Oh, look what I got in! This is beautiful." And this this like a it's like a rock that's about the size of a big sweet potato. And there are every once in a while, there's little segments there where you can see the opals, the uncut opal, like that are within this. And Garnett sees it, and he's just like stunned he's like oh man i gotta have this i absolutely have to have this and he says yeah yeah you can go to the auction you can get it there and basically sandler lets himself be be persuaded into letting garnett have it just to just hold it for one night for the game that's he's just going to borrow it sandler for collateral not that he would actually need it because it's kevin garnett not like he couldn't find a guy but he garnett, garnett gives him his one of his championship rings or his only championship ring whatever so I was like, okay, that's cool. So Sandler, being this absolute jerk moron, whatever, <laughs> decides, oh, I'm going to go pawn this so I'll have money to bet. He's like, yeah, that's a genius move. So he does that. He lays the bet. Things happen. He can't get the ring back. Uh, he's chased by you know, people that he owes money to. He's chased by more people that he owes money to. He makes more bets. Uh, things get stranger and stranger. He has a tough relationship with his wife, who actually is played by Adina Menzel. And she does a very good job. 
this movie is full of people who do great job acting jobs, except for Adam Sandler, who does a good acting job. Basically, you watch this guy's life just fall apart. Uh, Adam Sandler does have one scene where he's not shouting and being the angry, screaming at the top of his lungs, Adam Sandler thing, which we've seen him in virtually every freaking movie this guy has ever done, where he breaks down because things have just gotten to the point where he can't handle it. And it's like, oh, wow, look, he can actually act like someone who is not Adam Sandler. That's amazing for about two and a half minutes. Yeah, maybe two. <laughs> and, and anybody who has a SAG card could have done that scene. So this, this buzz about, oh, my God, he's amazing. is like, dude, because you finally saw him play a character that's not him for the first time in, I don't know, two decades. It's like, stop with this bull about oh my god he's fantastic it's like no he actually did his freaking job for once competently not greatly like oh my god that's as you can tell i'm really frustrated by the by the fact that he gets buzz for finally doing what he should have been doing for 20 freaking years i really like adam sandler in a few movies when he bothers to actually do his freaking job um that's why it's so frustrating. This, again, it's a really, really good movie. Adam Sandler is okay in it. But he, no, he didn't deserve any nomination. He didn't deserve any buzz for this. That's freaking ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, do you give an Oscar for the mailman because you bothered to show up and actually deliver the mail today? It's like, no, you don't. So crazy. But... <laughs> Uncut Gems is definitely worth watching. It is now free on one of your favorite streaming services. So I do recommend watching it. And it's not like Sandler's performance will be as jarring and just like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? He does a good job. But don't watch it thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be the best acting performance of the year. It's like, uh, no. It's about the seventh best acting performance in the movie. So, as long it, as he's not the Prince of Darkness or something. Yeah, he could have been the Prince of Darkness. So, the other film I watched is a lesser known John Carpenter gem <laughs> Prince of Darkness. <clears throat> it's not as good as the original Halloween. It's not as good as Big Trouble in Little China. It's not as good as Starman. It's not as good as They Live. It's not as good as The Thing. Uh, okay, so I'm going to stop listing all the excellent John Carpenter films. But it's definitely worth watching. It has a, something of a repertory company for John Carpenter and that Donald Pleasance is one of the leads. <clears throat> Victor Wong, as in Egg Shen from Big Trouble. Isn't it? Dennis Dunn, who also co-stars in Big Trouble in Little China, is also in it. Basically, Donald Pleasance is a Catholic priest. He likes playing priests. Who has come across a secret that the Catholic Church has hidden for 20 centuries. That they are in possession. They are in possession of a vessel that contains literally the prince of darkness the son of satan and they're trying to figure out what they can do about it they're, they're going to do some research on it now now why they don't just blow it up and have the government take it away or whatever i you know what you are you going to say the ark 
yeah. But they don't. So he 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 talks to a, a friend who who actually is the former Egg Shen, and they get to, because he's a professor of a physics professor, and they get together this research team, and they're going to try to figure out what exactly this thing is, as in physically in the real world. So these researchers go there, and they this is in the basement of an abandoned church because that's how those things work. Uh, it's drawing. It's sending out these psychic images and it's controlling people, all homeless people on the street. And they're just kind of gathering slowly around the church, kind of creating this, this sense of creepiness. The leader, the leader of them, yes, it is foreboding. It's foreshadowing of more foreboding. The leader, not so much a leader, but like the main one that you'll see is actually played by Alice Cooper, which is interesting. He looks um, creepy enough sometimes as it is. Yeah, he looks very creepy in this film. And he just showed up because he knew Carpenter and he just wanted to kind of hang out while they were filming. And Carpenter said, hey. So. Go stand over there and look like you. Since this is a John Carpenter horror movie, things get bad. And the thing continues to send out these messages and it manages to take over one of the researchers who then manages to take over another researcher and some people get killed and then more people get killed, and it winds up being like Assault on Precinct 13, which is John Carpenter's first movie, which is also excellent, where a small band of our heroes are under siege in a building, and they can't get out because of all those homeless people around the case, in this case, instead of gangs. Really enjoyed this movie. Very well done, except for the fact Adam that Sandler. the lead might as well be Adam Sandler. Uh-oh. Do you remember the show Simon and Simon? Back in the eighties, well, one of the Simons, Jameson Parker, is the lead in this film. That's the biggest reason that more people don't <clears throat> know about this movie. That's the biggest reason Prince of Darkness isn't another great John Carpenter film instead of just eh, that was worth watching. This guy, and I watched Simon Simon a little bit and didn't watch it after that because it was dull and boring and very typical of oh, let's have a buddy private investigator or whatever, or troubleshooters or whatever stupid thing they were. This guy is boring. He's not a good actor. <laughs> he might as well be Adam Sandler because he crushes any chance this movie had of being great because there's too much focus on him. And again, he's competent. But if, let's say, I don't know, like maybe Kurt Russell had been the lead in this, this thing would have been awesome would have been awesome if he'd played it straight would have been awesome if he'd gone for comic oh yeah escape from new york another classic awesome john carpenter film there are a number of actors who could have taken that role who would have projected i don't know some quality of actual humanity which would have made it interesting he he's not as bad as the as the lead in scanners Stephen Lack is like, uh, as in total lack of any semblance of humanity, but he's not very good either. So two movies, very entertaining, very worth watching. Try to overlook the fact that the leads aren't that good, but you'll still manage to enjoy the movie. So I basically, these are lessons in casting directors. Do your job well, because the lead of your film <clears throat> Kind of matters and 
both of these movies were sabotaged from greatness by the fact that their leads were just adequate. And that doesn't really fly. You can throw that throw Lemmy caution into that too. I do not remember who played him, but uh, yeah, I know I, I said he played a detective type character, mm-hmm. and I was going to leave this joke out, but I'm not going to. So <laughs> back then, ooh, he's a detective. Uh, is he a, a private dick? Is the kind of no? He's just a regular dick through the whole movie. <laughs> I I was going to leave that out, but there it is. It just kind of. <clears throat> maybe he's, the film could have been better if we had someone who who wasn't like that he's, he's played by eddie constantine thank you as opposed his, i prefer his brother john <laughs> definitely and look we're back at the dceu again see see full circle that because that's how we do things here at, at cinema savants it's like a, a film reel we started here and oh all the way Full back service. into a circle. Which Full means service, uh, t- time to end the show, I suppose. So tune in next week when we've got films where maybe we'll find something with actors we like in it this in this next week. We'll try. We'll see what we can do. In the meantime, the COVID thing is getting worse. Look at the numbers. I'm just saying. So stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dawn, that's the end. <laughs>